my job on this expedition to try and find any evidence, dead or alive, to the existence of this. finally got to. I finally got it. <laughs> well, this is our first time ever we're using the same microphone because your microphone took a poop. Well, just like this guy. That one poops all the time. <laughs> He's a stinky pooper. So now that we're we're going to have to test this guy out and see how this works. And if this works, then I don't see why we shouldn't be able to use this the whole time. I'm excited. I hope it works. It is. Yeah. Anything new going on this week? I'm looking into a preschool for my four-year-old. Ooh. So that's kind of exciting but depressing at the same time. <laughs> it always is when they start school. But I guess it wasn't as depressing for me because I always send my kids to preschool. It was more of a, what am I going to do with them while we're at work? Well, preschool. And we've always had an, uh, a child care center, an in-home center. And obviously, it's my first one. So I'm a little nervous and excited and proud, depressed all at the same time. Because it means he's growing up. And yeah, he's my baby. Oh, yeah. But that's good, though. He'll he'll start getting ready for school. He even asked me today when we left the pediatrician's office, like, Mommy, when do I get to go to school? So I think he's ready. Good. So do you have anything new and exciting going on with you, Heather? <laughs> yeah, everyone at work decided to leave this week. So I was going to supposed to come home at around three o'clock. Well, apparently there's this big show down in Indy. It's called the PRI show. It's professional racing industry. And we always, the shop always goes there during those weeks. And I guess everyone is leaving today to go down there to get everything set up. And of course, that's the day I kind of wanted to leave early so we could do this. They didn't talk to you about it before. No, they didn't. They did not consult me, and I was not happy. My mom had to go pick up my two nephews from school at 3.30, which means I was at the shop by myself until she got back. And then when she got back, I bounced, and she's there by herself. And it's just, it's been crazy. It's been a crazy week. Ashlyn had cheerleading yesterday, which is why we couldn't do anything yesterday so it's just been a crazy week i found out that my littlest one weighs 16 pounds at four out at four months he's solid he is solid he's he's dense i did buy something for you you bought something for me i did and a couple things for me but thank you dad jokes (laughs) i saw that at kohl's i don't know i saw it (laughs) Oh, there's tape. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they're cards. Oh, cool. (laughs) Those are good. Oh, that's going to be fun. How does a penguin build a house? How? It glues it together. (laughs) That's awesome. That's good. This will be fun. Because then I can just flip it over when I've done it. Yeah. So when I really pick one, it's like, oh, I've done that one. Perfect. I'm excited. And then I got myself two books. Bizarre Truths and... What you don't know for oh, random facts. Nice. Yeah. I actually uploaded a app on my phone 
that gives you random facts. Oh, fun! It's like a daily random fact thing. And so I've actually sent you a couple of those. I don't know if you saw them or not. Oh, that's cool. I probably have. I don't know. I read them and go, huh, that's funny. Or that's cool. <laughs> well, I gave you homework last week. I actually did it. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so excited. So Taryn's going to go through her top 10. So here's the thing. I had a list. Heather put them in the order she thinks is top 10. Well, mostly. <laughs> so number 10 is Travis. I said Schultz. Schultz. He's got pretty blue eyes. He does. I'll give him that. Oh, he's Keith. Keith. Keith, Elliot's like booty call. Okay. Sure. <laughs> You've not watched Scrubs? I have, just so, not in a long time. Once Elliot hits a certain, like, had been there for a couple of years, and now they have their own people that they're training. Yeah. She was one of the guys. That, so apparently that's my number 10. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> All right. Next one. Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Star Trek. Yeah. Is that what I wrote out there? Huh? No, I found out. He's from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, but what's, I've never watched Star Trek, so there's another show that I saw him. I'm sure he See, is. This is why but I this done is, more homework. This but. is his big one. His big one was he was in Star Trek. The new one. Which he also has pretty blue eyes. You have got to think I, for blue I gotta eyes. I got to think for blue eyes. Brown <laughs> hair and blue eyes. It's funny. Your husband doesn't have blue eyes. Oh, so he was also in Scrubs, but he was uh, Dr. Cost. Cox's wife's brother. Okay. The one that died from cancer in the show. The funny one with the camera. All right. Here's your next one. Michael Terry is from Bones. He's a blonde-haired, blue-eyed young (laughs) actor. Blue eyes. And he is one of the apprentices to Temperance Brendan in the TV show Bones. Yeah. He's cute. He's cute. I like him. He also plays hockey in the show. Oh. And he's, like, definitely, like, he's bulky. better. Yeah. And he gets scruffy there for a second. He does look good scruffy. Yes. But most of the time, he's the clean cut kid. Which is what you like. I do. David, how do you spell his last name? Boreas. Boreas from uh, Bones, Boreas. Angel, and Buffy. Oh, yeah. He's just that clean cut CIA, FBI, Angel. He's a guy. He's just hot. He's a very good looking man. And he's got brown eyes. He does have brown eyes. He's like your first brown eyed guy <laughs> on here. It happens. And I, I like it. All right, so here's your number six, and I got you the clean cut version. Thank you. You're welcome. It's a very nice photo. Yes, like, it I is. Like that one. We need to print that one off. <laughs> it's a very nice photo. So this was also on your list. Yes, this is one of the crossovers. Joe Mandicino. M- Mangianello. Yeah, this is why you pronounce the weird words. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so again, True Blood or Magic Mike, wherever you know him from. I swear I know him from a different show from those, but yeah, oh, probably. Just want to lick yes. him. Sorry. <laughs> Where's the cream? <laughs> oh, man. Here we go. Another one from my list. Yes. Janet. Jensen. Jensen. Oh, my goodness. It's a bad day. <laughs> you should be saying these. Janet. Jensen. Jensen Ackles. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my goodness. From Just Supernatural. I know this Dean. Oh, so hot. All right, this next one. This is sad because he was in my dreams last night. Oh. I know, right? Nice. And this guy kept waking you up. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be mad at him, I too. Was, I was very mad at him. <laughs> this next one, I don't see it. But, you know, to each his own. So he's one of the otter ones because I do like some quirky guys. He does have pretty eyes in he this does. picture. Uh, quirky guys, not eyes. I like quirky guys. Yeah. Uh, he. This is Jeremy Renner, from, and he plays Hawkeye in the Avengers series. Mm-hmm. 
and some of the other series that he plays it, he's always that badass with a good soul. That yeah, makes sense. Oh yeah, but he's the clean cut. All right, yeah. I just I didn't I didn't get it, but you know, it's just me. All right, number three. Oh yeah, uh, Ryan Reynolds. Go up. There you go. Obviously from Deadpool, but he's just he's funny. He is. He's great. I love he's him. a good looking guy. Even, even Scruffy, he's still a good looking guy. He is. All right, number two. Blue eyes. <laughs> I think I got a thing. You do. Just, now that I know. It's just funny because my husband's brown eyes. <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. So, I like blue eyes too. So yeah. my husband's got brown eyes. So wait, we didn't say it. Well, that's because you oh. went down. You didn't know his name just by his yeah, face? I'm, I'm horrible with this, Heather. We know this. <laughs> Uh, Chris Hemsworth, a.k.a. Thor. Thor. This is what I put as your number one, because when I think of this guy, I think, oh, Taryn really likes him. <laughs> so Chris Evans. Chris Evans, Mr. Captain America himself. Yes. He's definitely easy on the eyes. He's got the blue eyes, the blonde <laughs> hair. It's kind of like sandy, dark, almost brown. Yes. Oh, those abs. <laughs> oh, Yes. All right, and here is your runner-ups. You've got three of them. That one was weird for me. Sorry, Scott Foley? Who is he from? I have no idea what he's from. He's in, a, he's in, like, Hallmark movies, I feel like. No, there was a reason why I had picked him, and I don't... Was he in Scrubs, too? He might have been. <laughs> I didn't write down what these guys were from. That's fine. Yeah, he was in Scrubs. Yeah, see, okay. I gotta thank for these so, Scrubs guys. Well, my husband and I, um, we watch a lot of Scrubs. We have, we have a, like these certain TV shows that we, we watch every once in a while, yeah. and it's just kind of like it's kind of like a Friends for you. It's just noise in the background. Oh yeah, another one that I didn't get for you, John C. McKinley. So this is uh, Doctor Cox in Scrubs. Yeah, and that man is ripped. Is he? He is. He just you see him shirtless a lot know. in Scrubs, and he's one of those like quirkier older guys that you're like okay. I can- yeah, I could go. I don't know. That's why it's one of my runner ups. Like I even agree with your placement <laughs> in my in the runner up. Okay. Um it's just All right. I love you. Okay. All right. And this next one, I have no idea what he's from. <laughs> Daniel Wu? Yes. So he is the main actor named Sunny in a show called In the Badlands. Oh, okay. God, he's so like agile and so flexible <laughs> and so like um. I don't As look for flexibility it, in my men. Well, but. Fight, so in a show, um, I like fighters. I like warriors. Yeah. Like, if you can fight, come on, <laughs> bring it on. Because, oh. But uh, so in the show, he is one of the best swordsmen. Okay. Slash assassin. Yeah. So he does a lot of killing. But he's just, he's strong. He's smart. He's kind of funny, but he has that, like, kind of shy personality in the show. I don't know him outside of the show. Yeah. But I love his character in the, in, in the show. Okay. Well, I think we found the theme for you, though. It's blue <laughs> eyes. It's definitely blue eyes. A little over half of them are the very bright blue eyes. Yeah. And I just want to show you here. This is our list together. <laughs> so this is yours and this is mine. And I feel like you. this is the epitome of our list right here. Is you like your... Blue-eyed, clean-cut men, <laughs> and there's my rough, rugged, rugged man. <laughs> See, I like the rugged men, but I really like the clean-cut. Every last one of your guys were clean-cut. Every last <laughs> one of them. There was no rugged guys. <laughs> uh. So, moving on, we're gonna go- get into our actual subject. 
So we are jumping into the history of the CIA. So I'm just going to go through how the CIA started. Sounds good. Okay. So just like any other government agency, because you know that happens, it didn't just start out as the CIA and that was it. That actually went through several different stages to figure out what works best. This is what this is for. This is what we're going to do here. So it went through a lot of different phases. A whole bunch of them. I tried not to jump ahead, but I was definitely already looking at that. Yeah, there's there's a good little bit of it. So we're going to go with the very first one was called Office of the Coordinator of Information, or the COI. What a mouthful. Yes. Uh, that started in 1941, and it was open for 337 days. How long is a year? 365. So just a little under a year. I had to think about that for a second. Like, <laughs> wait, that's over a year. Nope, that's not. That's no, just barely under a year. When World War II started, the State Department, uh, Army, Navy, and the FBI were very randomly collecting different intelligence uh, with no direction, no coordination. They had no clue what they were doing. So President Franklin D. Roosevelt was like, okay, we need to somehow get all of this stuff organized. He created the coordinator of information to kind of streamline the collection of getting all of this intelligence. Makes sense. I like, you like how I'm talking with I, my hands. I love it. <laughs> she seems super excited your head like that. And that evil person talking to figures. <laughs> I just... I'm really excited about this topic. I did a lot of research, so that's, you know, hands, that's where the hands start flying. He appointed General William Donovan. Also, his nickname was Wild Bill. <laughs> uh, to, he led the organization. He had a $10 million budget and 600 um, people in his staff. The first operation of the COI was to debrief uh, refugees into New York City who had fled the war from Europe. It was the very first thing that they got to do. They also got to work very closely with the people in London to gain more information, training, different experience from their intelligence agencies. So as the war progressed, Donovan, the head of the organization, came to realize he needed to move his organization under the Joint Chiefs of Staff to ensure the support of the military. Now, whereas the president agreed, he still wanted to keep some elements out of military control. Because, you know, once the military gets their hands on something... Sometimes they don't give it back. No, exactly. <laughs> he moved it over there, but did it... But then he decided to change the name. Because, you know, I guess changing the name helps. Sometimes. Why not? Let's just confuse things and give you like 10 different names. I know. So they changed it to Office of Strategic Services. The OSS! The OSS. <laughs> and that lasted for three years and three months. Did they have a sky, uh, a kid, spy kids division too? <laughs> no, but that would have been cool. Darn. Well, I know. Maybe. I don't know what the OSS ever did. I'm just saying, like, they have the spy kids movies. Yeah. What if that was, you know, real and they really did have kids, like spy kids? You know what? OSS. We'll, we'll talk about some things later. All right. <laughs> well, no, I'm, it's not even like, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. There, There's some theories and, and things that may have possibly happened under CIA 
control. NFOSS is part of it. was a predecessor to the CIA. Who knows? We'll see. Okay. So change the name to the OSS. So they got their official thing was to collect and analyze strategic information requested by the Joint Chiefs of Staff to conduct unconventional and paramilitary operations. Oof. Donovan uh, was still the head of the OSS, so he still had a major role in this. He sent personnel to North Africa, Europe, China, Burma, and India. Although the OSS never received complete jurisdiction over the foreign intelligence agencies, they were still they were still trying. They were getting it out there. They were trying to get all of this information coming into them. At its peak, OSS employed almost 13,000 people, 35% of which were women. Nice. Yeah, so we had some women spies. I told you. Search women spies, that means there's kid spies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two-thirds uh, were, com- were Army and Air Force personnel, and civilians made up the other quarter. The rest of the people were from Navy, Marines, or Coast Guard. Nearly 7,500 OSS employees served overseas. There was never an expectation that OSS would continue to operate after the war, although Donovan, who's the head of it, really, really wanted it to, because he really thought there was a need for a peacetime intelligence agency. But President Truman took office, and in 1945, he ordered that the OSS be dismantled. He had 10 days to dismantle the whole agency. That's insane. Yeah, it is. Talk about some layoffs. Oh, so many. He dismantled it, and the OSS closed its doors October 1st of 1945. Oh, yeah, I put a couple of side notes about the OSS. See, I'm getting all this information from the CIA's website. Okay. So it's CIA.gov. But there's a couple other sources I kind of wanted to go to. And this, this one made me laugh. So I had to write it down. It says, uh, Donovan recruits so many of the nations rich and powerful that eventually people joke that OSS stands for oh so social or oh such snobs. (laughs) But Donovan did a really cool thing was he recruited the Catholic Church in Rome to be the center of Anglo-American spy operations in Italy it was one of America's most enduring intelligence alliances during the Cold War. All right, onward. So since the OSS is gone, but a new agency took its place called the Strategic Services Unit. So instead of OSS, now it's SSU. SSU. Because, you know, why not move the letters around and change the vowel? This lasted for one year, five months. So this was established along with a small central intelligence group called the CIG. In the spring of 1946, President and Congress decided to give SSU's duties, so different responsibilities, um, personnel, field stations, communications, all sorts of fun junk. And they decided to give all of that to the CIG, the Central Intelligence Group. So we have two different groups running at the same time, but they're doing essentially the same thing. 
The Deputy Chief of Naval Intelligence, Rear Admiral Sidney Sowers, was appointed Executive Secretary of CIG and was responsible for carrying out the integration of SSU into the CIG. Man, so I guess SSU didn't really do too much until they kind of integrated into the CIG, which lasted for one year and six months. They came longer. A little, a little bit. They're they're starting to understand like what they're doing, what they're what's going to happen. So CIG was responsible for coordinating, planning, evaluating, and disseminating intelligence. That was their central thing. So the CIG was not just coordinating the intelligence it received, but it was now producing intelligence on its own. So I guess this hasn't happened before. Now they're doing it. So this enlarged CIG's personnel strength considerably. The new organization spied overseas with employees lent to it from the Army, Navy, Department of State. And they function under the National Intelligence Authority, which was composed of a presidential representative and secretaries of state, war, and Navy. So it was it was shackled to the constraints of the Department of State and the Armed Services. So, in order to free itself, CIG became an independent department and was renamed the Central Intelligence Agency CIA. CIA. Which is still in existence to this day. And we all know what the CIA does, right? 70 plus years. 70 plus years. No, but a lot of their stuff has been not a lot some of it has been declassified so we can see essentially what they were doing but also a lot of it has been blacked out so we don't really know so i had to tell you all about the cia because we're going to be talking about throughout the rest of this year probably different cia operations and things that they have done so i wanted to bring in that whole this is how the cia started this is why they started it's because of World War II, really. It's there. It's that. Everything started with World War II. But the one thing that we're going to talk about today is called Operation Paperclip. Now, this was done before the CIA was actually formed. This happened during the time of OSS, I believe. I'm telling you, spies. <laughs> you may be asking, what is Operation Paperclip? I'm waiting for you to tell me, Heather, because I know you're going to. (laughs) I will tell you what it is. Well, as an overview before we get too far into it, Operation Paperclip was basically by the end of World War II, we wanted all the German scientists. So Operation Paperclip was bringing all those German scientists to the U.S. before Russia could. Or sorry, the Soviet Union could. So that's what Operation Paperclip was. And we're going to start. And the reason we figured out there was all these really cool German scientists was because of something called the Ossenberg List. For a second there, I was really hoping you were going to say, like, Captain America. No. Because, you know, (laughs) Russian scientists made him who he is. I think it was Russian. German. Still. German scientists. You had a non-American scientist make him who he is. So I was hoping you were going to tie that in there. No. That would have been been cool. He wasn't part of this, sorry. The later part of World War II, Nazi Germany found itself at a disadvantage. They failed to conquer 
the Soviet Union, and the failed conquest had depleted German resources. They were they were having a hard time, and Soviet Union were like, "Oh man, they 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 didn't do it, so let's go get them." They were doing a counterattack. By the early 1943, the German government began recalling from combat a number of scientists, engineers, technicians. They they were trying to bring them all back in from the front lines. They're like, nope, you guys got to come back in. We need help. We need you to develop more more weapons for us to use. They were trying to figure out, all right, who are these guys? Who do we need to bring back? What technicians are there on the front lines? So in order to figure this out, they they had this guy named Werner Ossenberg. He was the engineer scientist heading the Defense Research Association. So he recorded the names of the of all these men, all these scientists to this list called the Ossenberg list. And that was to reinstate them into scientific work. In March of 1945 at Bonn University, a Polish laboratory technician found pieces of the Ossenberg list stuffed in a toilet. Because they were trying to destroy it. <laughs> well, they were trying to hide it. They didn't want anyone to find it, but hey, someone found it. So this list somehow through a bunch of different things ended up into the hands of the U.S. Army, who then used the Ossenberg list to find these German scientists to capture and interrogate them. So that's how this all started, was this darn list. U.S. were in a race to find all of these scientists because the U.S. were like, they found all these cool things that Germany were trying to develop. And they're like, whoa, these are cool. So instead of actually studying these weapons that we found, we wanted the people who created the weapons. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So they could do it for us. So we started rounding up all of these scientists and we tried to round it up before the Soviet Union could. Um, in May of 1945, the U.S. Navy received in custody a Herbert A. Wagner. He's a German. The inventor of the HS-293 missile. For two years, he worked at the Special Devices Center at Castle Gold and at Hempstead House, Long Island, New York. So we got him over. Yay! So this is just a list of a few of the guys that we, you know, we, we got. We got him. Uh, Colonel Holger Toftoy. That's a name. <laughs> he was the head of the Rocket Branch of Research and Development Division in the U.S. Army's Ordnance Corps. Let's see here. He offered initial one-year contract to the rocket scientists, 127 of them accepted their one-year contracts. And then the first group of seven rocket scientists, aerospace engineers, arrived at Fort Strong. We got, I hope everyone knows the name, Werner von Braun. No? Don't know that name? He helped develop the V-2 rocket. Eric W. Newbert, Theodore A. Poppel, August Schultz, Eberhard Rees, Willem Jungert, and Walter Schitzwedski. You should say that last one again. Schitzwedski. <laughs> that is C H S C H W I D E T Z K 
why? <laughs> yeah, shit sweats key. <laughs> I don't know. I think Cloud of Ivy pronounced that better than Did we you? Could. Beginning in late 1945. <laughs> I'm going to have to pause this. Because as you can hear, my timer is going off. And that is because I have ribs in the oven. So hold on one moment. And we're back. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, we're back. Wow. You just want to be the first one to say things. Sometimes. <laughs> All right. Where did I leave <laughs> off? I don't remember. Maybe we should replay it. No, that's okay. We'll just we'll figure it out as we go. Um. Oh, we left off at the last name. Oh, that's right. Schutzweidski. <laughs> All right. So we got three rocket scientist groups arrived in the United States for duty at Fort Bliss, Texas. Yeah, that place brings back fond memories. Oh, you've been there? That's where I met my husband. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, rocket scientists went there in 1945. Nice. As War Department special employees. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 1946, the United States Bureau of Mines employed seven German synthetic fuel scientists. At a chemical plant in Louisiana. Oh, sorry. In Louisiana, Missouri. I'm assuming that's a city in Missouri? Possibly. Interesting. Okay. They need to change that. If you live in Louisiana, Missouri, that's weird. But okay. <laughs> uh, 1949, Chief of Ordnance of the United States Army designated Redstone Arsenal in Huntsville, Alabama as the Ordnance Rocket Center. Oh, and in 1950, the Fort Bliss Missile Development Operation, which included Werner von Braun and his team of over 130 paperclip members, was transferred to Redstone Arsenal. Between 1945 and 1952, the United States Air Force sponsored the largest number of paperclip scientists, importing 260 men 86 aeronautical engineers were transferred to Wright Field, Ohio. There's a whole bunch of really smart people. Yeah, like we got a whole bunch. The United States Army Signal Corps employed 24 specialists, which includes physicist George Gabau, Gabau, Gunter Gutwein, George Haas, Hort Kedesti, Kurt Lehovec. Ooh, I like that one. Lehovec. See? See how I said that? Yeah. <laughs> and also, the physical chemists, Rudolf Brill, Ernest Bars, and Ed, oh, Eberhard Boff. Rudolf the Red Nose Reindeer. <laughs> Sorry. And geophysicist, Helmut Weichmann, optician Gerhard Schwesinger and engineers Eddard Gerber, Richard Gunther, and Hans Ziegler. Ziegler. What a mouthful. Woo-wee! I am practicing. You got all that? That is a lot of people. So that was a lot of names. So overall, through its operation, and this operation lasted into the 1990. No, like long this. Ago. Not that long, long ago. ago. So we have been working on this for years. 
Operation Paperclip imported 1,600 men. That's a lot of scientists, 1,600. And unfortunately, the Soviet Union got more. Oh. Yeah. Joy. I know. But we got a pretty good one. We got Werner von Braun. Before the official approval for paper for Operation Paperclip, President Truman was very indecisive about the program. It was because they were Nazis. And you know, Nazis are bad. Not all Nazis are bad. Nazis are bad. If you believed in what the Nazis wanted... Well, then yes, then you were bad. Then you were a bad Nazi. That's what the Nazis were. It was a political party. It wasn't a German person. So it's just like, you know, liberals are bad, conservatives are bad, Nazis are bad. Gotcha. That's what it is. He said, okay, we'll do it. We'll do the, the Operation Paperclip. But I want you to only grab the scientists that, you know, have really no correlation to the nazi party like they don't believe in that kind of stuff Makes sense. yeah so everyone was like okay cool truman we got you we'll do this well turns out they wanted all the scientists they could so they just whitewashed everything of course yeah so we were getting all these scientists yes which was cool and we were they were doing all this you know cool scientific stuff for us but they were still Nazis and they still believed in what they were doing. Some of them were involved in the Nazi human experiments that we talked about. Ooh. Yes. That's not good. Send yes. them back. Send them back. Exactly. And it's, oh, it, it just became this huge thing. Several of the paperclip scientists were later investigated because of their links with the Nazi party during the war. One paperclip scientist, George Rickey, was formally tried for a crime, but no paperclip scientist was ever found guilty of any crime. In 1951, weeks after his U.S. arrival, Walter Schreiber was linked to human experiments conducted by Kurt Bloom at Ravensbrück. That we talked about. Yeah. Did. <sighs> he immigrated to Argentina with help of the U.S. military. Of course. Mm -hmm. uh, in 1984, Arthur Rudolph, under perceived threat of prosecution as an operator director for the V-2 missile production, to the use of forced labor. So he was using basically slaves. They enslaved these people and made them work. And he was the one who did it. He eventually, because of this, renounced his U.S. citizenship and moved to West Germany moved back for 50 years from 1963 to 2013 the strunghold award who was named after Herbertus strunghold who was the father of space medicine big guy he helped develop innovations like the spacesuit and um the space life support systems so he's a big like yeah. he's a big deal it was the most prestigious award from the space medicine association but on October 1st of 2013, an article was published in the Wall Street Journal, which highlighted his connection to human experiments during World War II. Oh. Yeah. The Space Medicine Association Committee announced that, yeah, we're just not going to give that award out anymore. Yeah, I don't blame them. That's kind of in bad taste. But was he one of the ones that did the um, altitude tests? I don't know. Could be. 
That very well could be. We don't know which experiments. Okay, but it would really make sense. It would make sense. Yeah. Oh, man. Maybe that was it. That's crazy. There was this big thing of after it came out that different people in the U.S. decided to just bring these Nazi scientists over and just, you know, take care of their background to make sure, no, they weren't really Nazis. No, they're fine. Bring them over here. So that got out. People realized that's what we were doing. And nobody wanted these Nazis in our in our country. So we're like, no, get them out of here. I don't care what they're doing. They're terrible people. Yes. So they're trying to round up Nazis everywhere. This is a big thing during the Cold War is rounding up Nazis. Yeah. And a lot of people seem to think that a lot more Nazis were in the U.S. than you would have originally thought. Uh, Dr. Joseph Mengele, the guy who did all the experiments on the twins. Yeah. They thought he came over to the uh, to the U.S. by help of the Justice Department. That's just wrong. Yes, but no one's ever really found him, so we don't really know. Probably name change. They think he, well, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, let's see, there was another one. Uh, there was a guard known as Ivan the Terrible <laughs> that could have somehow ended up over here. But it just went on and on. And it's just, at the probably people are wondering, why in the world did Heather want to do a episode on Operation Paperclip? I just think it's weird that the United States would do something like this. Well, I think they had like good intentions of bringing these really smart people over to help with stuff. Sure. But they did properly weed out the crazies. They or didn't whoever, even want to. No, whoever was in charge of weeding about didn't care. So they whitewashed it and brought him over anyway. So I think whoever really truly wanted this, like whoever got it started, mm-hmm. had good intentions. But the people he he or she delegated to take care of it, effed up. They screwed up bad. Although I will say a lot of, a lot of good did come out of it. Obviously, we got into space. We found, We got all these rockets. We got all this different. Stuff that we've learned, even stuff that we talked about last week. Yeah. Yes, they did terrible things, but we did learn a lot. <laughs> but not necessarily the right way of learning it. No, definitely not. And and since they came over to the United States, obviously None they had to happened. go about it the right way. Which is a good thing. Yes. Maybe by bring and I know this sounds weird, but maybe by bringing them over here, we save lives. Yeah. Oh, I 100% agree with that. And I think it's more of the principle of the matter. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know. I guess, what would you have done if you were the person in charge of this? And it's, and we're basically in a race against uh, the Soviet Union. It's like, well, if they get all these scientists, they could wipe us off the face of this planet. So what would you do? I hate to bring it like around back to the, the greater good, like what's best. Mm-hmm. I mean, by bringing them over here, one, they didn't get the information because we got the information. And two, now they no longer hurt anybody else because they were under the care of the United States that wouldn't allow them to do what they were originally doing, where where they were, you know, they could do experiments on people. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I don't want to think that I would say, yeah, come on over to the United States. But at the same time, it's like, but by them having to be here, we are where we are today. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a hard question. It's a very hard it's question. Like that question you asked your husband the other day. 
<laughs> he still he didn't answer it. <laughs> I know. What would you do, Heather? I well, I would do probably what happened. Whitewash and bring them on over. I don't want the American citizens to know we're bringing over Nazis because that's going to bring up a whole stink of things, which it did. Yeah. But also, I mean, up against the Soviet Union, who also were gathering a whole bunch of scientists and they got more than we did. Well, we're also playing, um, what is that, Sunday, Monday morning quarterback? What? It's- it's a sports terminology. I probably got it wrong. I don't watch sports. I but basically, <laughs> we are taking all the information that we have today mm-hmm. and judging on what people did way back then. Well, that is true. Where in reality, like, it, the spot of the moment, they don't know how it would have happened. That is true. Both ways. We know what happened because of, you know, obviously, we're here. Yeah. So we're kind of more Monday morning quarterback again by basically... <laughs> Okay. We're taking all the information and judging it on all the information versus the information they had at the time. Okay. So putting myself back. Without knowing the information. Without knowing anything that we know now. All I know is we are in this rush to get all these scientists before the Soviet Union does because, you know, honestly, I would be afraid of the Soviet Union. Did you know that being in America, it's always a thing that we basically won the war from from World War II. No, we didn't. We helped. We helped beat Japan. But I'm sorry, the Soviet Union beat World War II. They had a massive force. I think, but without us helping them... Yes, it could have gone bad. But we took care of Japan. They took care of Germany. Agreed. (laughs) But, uh, so yes, I think I would be afraid of them. I would be. So I probably would do exactly what they did. I don't think I would have done anything different. Maybe tried to hide it a little better so people wouldn't find out they were Nazis. Like change their names. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe their date of birth and their social security number so they, like, there's no connection to them whatsoever. Exactly. Like, hi, your name's what? Okay, you're now Joe Smith. Yeah. You're Joe Smith. <laughs> lose the accent. Yeah. Okay. Right. Just tell these old guys to lose the accent. <laughs> You're, you're now John Willemsburg. <laughs> there you go. That's a little German. <laughs> just kind of mix it up. It's yeah. Just, you know, random, like, you know. Yeah. Easy names. Your name's Scott oh. Williams. Oh, perfect. I like so it. Change it up. Like, make it more discreet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I do, like, it's still, like, it's interesting what happens. And I think this is the one and only time we kind of sort of agree on it. I would have to agree with you with that. Yeah. Normally we You'd, have. Normally we have opposition. Yeah, we, have, we have opposites. We're going different ways. But, and again, I'm doing the Monday morning, quarter, Monday morning quarterback where I know all the information. And I think even though all the bad, a lot of good came out of it. Yeah. But again, I wouldn't want to be put in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And this is why we don't run the country. <laughs> No, we run a podcast. <laughs> we run a podcast. And we make babies. <laughs> all right. I think this is the end of our episode. We have learned all we can about Operation Paperclip and all of these wonderful scientists. And we will learn in the future what some of these scientists do for the CIA. Ooh, sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Do you have a joke? I do. Courtesy of my new joke cards. Yay. You got me. Do you want to hear a joke about paper? Yeah. 
Never mind. It's terrible. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, these are fun. I just thought this was funny because the last 20 minutes I've been shuffling these cards and playing with them and mixing them up. It's so it's completely random. Paper. And the one that popped up was one about paper. That's great. That's oh, I love it. <laughs> so I'm going to put them here. Oh, that is, now that is, this is complete. Perfect. And that way I don't repeat them. Perfect. That's fantastic. All right. Thank you guys for joining us this week. Next week, we are going to be taking a break on the CIA stuff. So you will not be hearing it for the next couple of weeks because we're going to start our Christmas episodes. Yay. Yay. So we're going to learn about fun Christmas stuff. Sounds fun. We're going to have two. Two Christmas episodes? Yeah, because, you know, we release on Fridays and Christmas is like, you know, on Wednesday. It's on Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Thursday. I swear, I don't know. I have the day off, so whatever day it is. Oh, it is Wednesday. Yeah, see, I know my stuff. Oh my goodness! (laughs) Can you believe that Christmas is less than two weeks away? Uh, no, and I'd rather not think about that. Too late. Mm. It's already in your head. Great, great. All right. Well, if you guys would please uh, go rate and review us, that would help me out a lot. Maybe help Taryn how out. Many, how many listeners do we have? We still have about 100. Okay. About 100 a week. If, if we get up to 150. 150? Last I'm, time you said 200. Okay. Well, I was, I'm lowering down to 150. Okay. Because that's the number that popped into my head. That's fine. We'll do something special. I don't know yet, but we'll do something special. Well, Maybe gonna... we'll give a free giveaway to the first person who makes a comment on our podcast. <gasps> oh. Okay. It's just something, though. So, yeah, well, I can tell you what it is, but it's going to be super Just a free cool. something. It'll have our logo on it. I'll, I'll let you know that. All, All right. right. Cool. All right, guys. I love you. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. The existence of this 